it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go. Here we go. Comedy alive from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the Fox News headquarters in New York City. Hey, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not beating Joe Biden in the polls. I don't doubt that I could if I were to jump into some sort of a race right now. Biden sucks. That's the story, according to an ABC News Washington Post poll that shows Ron DeSantis leading Biden in a head-to-head by five points. Come on, man. But it doesn't stop there. Donald Trump also beating Biden in a head-to-head by six. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Oh, boy. Uh, Buckle up. We're going to discuss this one. Battle and Bill Hammer, co-host of America's Newsroom, is going to join us in the studio. Byron Donalds also going to weigh in on the repeal of Title 42, which is set to expire this week and send 35,000 migrants into our country illegally. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. Maybe so, but it's still America first here. 888-788-9910. As I said on stage Saturday night in front of a jam-packed theater in Reading, Pennsylvania, uh, the party on this show is America. I am obviously conservative, unapologetically so. But I am not doing a conservative talk show. I am doing an American talk show. Do you remember those old school things where you put the country first and you tried to make some progress on behalf of everybody? Freedom! That was the hook. Uh, We definitely need a little more of that right now because the partisan pugilism that has become today's talk radio and cable news coverage has led us fighting each other a lot harder then we're fighting our common enemies. That's true. That is true. So if we can put a little dent in that, I'd consider today a productive show. 888-788-9910. If you want a part of this thing, there are no rules. There is no cost of admission. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. All we ask is that you don't be a There it is. Happy Monday. Big week coming up. If you were in Reading over the weekend... Uh, you saw myself and Kennedy at the Santander Performing Arts Center. Take a bow. Just an absolutely fantastic crowd. We had an outrageous show. We had a phenomenal meet and greet. Some of it actually spilled into our private green room backstage. This could be a problem. Not with our fans. They were great. Uh, you got really, if you're coming to these shows, we're going to be in Clearwater next on May 20th, Davenport, Iowa, June 3rd. Mesa, Arizona, June 10th. Lexington, Kentucky, June 24th. Holland, Michigan, July 8th. We'll be in St. Mary's, Ohio, July 29th. And Henderson, Nevada, August the 25th. If you come into any of these shows, you really will walk away feeling like you're a part of something cool because that is our brand. Okay, Nobody's having a better time than us. And we do take the issue seriously. That's the point. If you listen to the show every day, it might sound a little goofy because we're singing songs and, you know, playing drops or movies. And, you know, you'll hear my kid talking from time to time. But the point being, 
is that we have a very unique ability, a very unique capacity. A lot of people just don't have the talent to pull it off. But in cable news, you know, Kennedy, myself, we're tackling really hard stuff, really hard issues, man, divisive, controversial things. Uh, but we're doing them in a way that makes them a lot easier to digest. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. So if you get a chance, come on down. In the meantime, we're going to digest some polls on behalf of the Biden administration. Oh, I'm in trouble. Wow. And that's not me talking. We'll start right here at the tippy top. So it was an ABC News poll. ABC News, Washington Post, looking ahead at potential 2024 matchups. Okay, if you remember last week in a video, Joe Biden announced that he was running again. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And perhaps jokes about Biden's cognitive state, uh, you know, no longer beyond the pale. Just 32 percent of Americans, according to this poll, just 32 percent believe he is mentally fit to be president. 32 percent believe that. The other 68 percent believe they're lying eyes, apparently. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Okay, the guy's a mess. Okay, the polling numbers that are out this weekend. And again, ABC News, Washington Post. These are the people that killed the Hunter Biden laptop story. These are the people that want him to win really, really bad, you understand. So when they throw a poll like this out there, they're not hoping to come back with these results. Understand, most polling is not designed, okay, to reveal opinion. It's designed to shape opinion. Correct the mundo. Okay, they throw a poll out there. Oftentimes they were always wrong against Trump because they were trying to create the perception that you shouldn't even bother showing up to vote. This guy was going to lose everywhere. That was kind of how it went. So you'll notice there's a have-it-both-ways mentality when it comes to Trump because in polls as a whole— you know, Trump always bashes the polls when they don't show him in a, in a favorable light. But in a poll like today where he's up on Biden, you'll start hearing him say things like, oh, look at the polls, you know, because that's what goes on in politics. I think he's got a point. OK, but regardless of what you think of the polls, the reality for Biden is grim. He has the lowest approval number overall across the board amongst every poll. We're talking about his real clear politics average. OK, he has the lowest approval rating of any first-term president to seek re-election at this point in his presidency, okay? He's in a really bad spot. Biden's lost his marbles. Okay, that's the feeling. But when you go into the internals of not just him losing straight up to Biden, uh, to Trump, him losing straight up to DeSantis, you see the key metrics that swing elections for Democrats. Black voters... Okay, black voters do not. Their support for Biden is down 30 percent, 30 percent since this dude took office. Biden is such a disaster. That according to black voters. Okay, Biden's approval rating with black Americans. And you can thank. Okay, you can thank South Carolina. They moved the primary up. James Clyburn, okay, who was, of course, the most influential the most influential trendsetter in the black community when it comes to voting. Okay, Clyburn got Biden the nomination the first time around. The second time around, not even Clyburn can help. Biden has fallen from 82 percent with black voters to 52. 
Okay, black voters decide elections. That's why the Democrats spend so much time calling everyone racist, is they can't really deliver progress for the black community, but they can continuously claim to protect them against invisible white supremacy in the year 2023. Unfortunately, black voters aren't buying it anymore, mainly because, like most Americans, it's hard to buy anything when inflation is at a 40-year high. So Biden's approval rating falls 30 percent with black voters. Trump's approval rating, okay, up 15 percent from the 2020 election. Trump got 12 percent of the black vote in 2020. Right now, he's on pace to get 27, 15 percent. That alone would decide an election if those numbers held. Hispanic voters saw Biden, okay, he's now at a 40 percent approval rating. 40 percent, okay, he's at 32 percent amongst white voters. Okay, so he's fallen off a cliff. Okay, when it comes to women, 39% approval, 30% amongst independent women, which is a big swing voting group. And uh, independents currently favor Trump over Biden, 48 to 39%. Understand this. In the last election, Biden had 54% of the independent vote. So he has lost in literally every metric that matters in a general election. He is losing double-digit support. So imagine over at ABC and the Washington Post when they throw this poll together this week. They're pretty excited to share the findings until they actually see the findings. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. Listen to George Stephanopoulos. (laughs) This is amazing. Uh, Telling Rick Klein uh, the poll is brutal for Biden. Clip 15. President Biden pushing back on questions about his age from Stephanie Rule as he bids for re-election. It's just one of the big challenges he faces now, more revealed by our brand new poll. Political director Rick Klein here to break it down. And Rick, this poll is just brutal for President Biden. Absolutely, George. And you talked earlier about that record low approval rating for President Biden. It's actually six points down just since February. And the skepticism over his leadership extends deep inside his own party. Only 36% of Democrats think that their party should nominate Joe Biden for a second term. 58% say they would uh, support someone else or prefer someone else. That's despite the fact that the entire DNC and most of the Democratic establishment has rallied behind President Biden. Get him out of here. Get him out. That's what the Democratic Party is saying. The Demo, 36% of them say they say he should run again. The other 64% think he shouldn't be anywhere near the White House. I agree with that. Okay, really think. Here's a little more Stephanopoulos. He's expressing surprise at how well Trump is polling. It's clip 16. Rick, I got to admit, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. You've got one in five people who say they believe President Trump should be fa- should face criminal charges, but they'd still vote for him. It is it is remarkable, and I do think once there's a matchup with an actual person, maybe that changes. But that just tells you about how much Trump is kind of baked into the political equation. The media is a bunch of losers. Really is because you understand, okay, what they're doing in that moment. It's the it's you know how dare how could anyone. How could you vote for Trump? The man's, you know, maybe should be prosecuted. This is why all of this Trump sensationalism, okay, it failed in 2016 because Trump was prioritizing things the voters cared about. He was like, hey, I'll secure the border. Hey, I'll get you a job. Hey, I'll try to keep the streets safe. People really cared about that stuff. The media didn't, okay? The media wants to swing elections. They want to be trendsetters. You know, they want to drive the discussion. And, you know, once again, as we head back to this, you know, election cycle, they're apoplectic about the idea that people could still want to vote for Trump despite all the sensationalism that surrounds his presidency. But here's the reality, man. Okay, 
people don't have the luxury of prioritizing all of the superficial things that we did under Trump. That's not a knock on Trump. That's a knock on his critics. Okay, we were able to spend the first three years of Trump's administration pretending he was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin. It wasn't true. It was complete pretend. Everyone, everyone who brought that claim of collusion knew that it was based entirely on Hillary Clinton's own opposition research, something she bought and paid for herself as a counter narrative to the Prime and Evale server that was giving her a really hard time in the polls. This is not okay. That's essentially what she decided. So they went out and they made up a pretend narrative, a pretend narrative that Trump was in back-channel communications with an alpha bank in Russia. That's just how white folks will do you. That's how they did him. The whole thing was pretend. But the country was going well enough under Trump that it became our nightly episodic. Oh, tune in tonight. The walls are closing in. The kids might testify. Will he pardon Barron or will he get in trouble? Tune in tonight on CNN. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. But it was a pretend episodic, and it played well inside the the beltway with elite white people who hate themselves, who couldn't fathom that the middle of the country had any say at all in our democracy, and it installed Trump as the president over their precious Hillary. And the, the Mueller probe was a soft coup. It was the designed to get Trump to fire Robert Mueller, self-destruct, commit the perception that there was a there there. That was, not a, that was not a probe that was meant to reach its end and have all of the evidence shared. That was a poll that was designed to kill Trump in a death by a thousand cuts scenario where one anonymously sourced bombshell after the other would eventually catch up with the guy. Well, the truth is... The economy was good enough. The border was good enough. The crime situation was good enough. The schools were good enough that we could all pay attention to this for three years because it just became a source of entertainment. Okay, the problem now under Biden and the reason people will still vote for Trump, despite some believing he should be charged for some of the things he's done, is because they had a tangibly, exponentially better America to wake up and go to work in every day. Okay, the streets were safer. The border was more secure. Okay, inflation was six points lower. Nobody was forcing them out of their job if they didn't want a vaccine. Nobody was telling them they couldn't go out to dinner if they didn't want a vaccine. No one was telling them they couldn't board a plane. No one was telling them they couldn't go to school. Okay, everything was better under Trump than it is under Biden. So where the media seems so blown away, oh, my goodness, how could it be? is because the media's priorities are not yours. They're not mine. Now, I don't know that Trump's going to go win the presidency. Trump's going to have a pretty hard-fought primary. I don't know that it even gets the nomination. He's got to take on DeSantis. A lot of people think Tim Scott's great. Wrong. Okay, but the point is, if he gets this nomination straight up against Biden, he very well could beat Biden because Biden is useless. So whether it's Trump 2024, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, I don't know. The only thing I can tell you with any certainty, okay, is that Biden shouldn't be running water in his apartment come 2024, let alone the country. And if you expect to see him working anywhere, expect it to be in a commercial for sleep aids. If you're having trouble sleeping, ask your doctor about Bidenica, the sleep aid made from 100% Joe Biden press conference. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. 
Bidenica has a patented blend of confusion and forgetfulness that will calm the most overactive brains. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. When they sold out American jobs and killed the Keystone Pipeline, it kept me up all night worrying about how we pay our bills. But then I got Bidenica, and I've never slept better. Sometimes when I get hopped up on sugar, my parents give me Bidenica so I pass out. Other times they give it to me during the day, probably so they can do the deed. Gross. Warning. People who have used Bidenica have experienced rapid lying and an inability to secure the southern border. Others have hallucinated and fought breakfast cereals. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Ask your doctor if Bidenica is right for you. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We got Jim Jordan coming up today. Byron Donalds is going to be here. Your fine self, always welcome as well. 888-788-9910. Biden sat down for an interview with MSNBC at 11 o'clock Friday night, because I know when you're trying to reach the whole country, it's 11 o'clock on a Friday. (laughs) It's when you get together uh, for the outreach. I mean, come on. But here is Biden asked, asked about his low poll numbers and want you to believe it's the media's fault, which is phenomenal, man. When you contrast Biden, say, versus, say, Trump, okay, at this point in the Trump presidency, he was polling ahead of Biden. This despite the fact that every single member of the media was pretending that Trump was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin. At the same point in the Biden administration, you've got the entirety of the media pretending he's sane and coherent. Okay, but the jig is up on that one. But here is Biden, clip 13. Why do you think your polling is where it is? Well, I don't think people, by the way, every major one who won re-election, their polling numbers were mine are now. Put polling aside no, then, right? So, Sentiment in this but, country, despite well, all these wins, is I, not I, very I, good. I think all they've heard is negative news for three years. Everything is negative. I'm not being critical of the press, but you turn on the television, the only way you're going to get a hit is if there's something negative. You, you know, you don't, anyway, that's number one. Not even close. (laughs) You turn on the news, it's negative. Yeah, it's usually negative about like Trump or Republicans or DeSantis. It's never negative about Biden. Okay, they've done everything they could to carry this presidency. But the reality is the reality. Crime sucks. The border sucks. Inflation sucks. Don't blame the media. Do your damn job. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing on a Monday. Back in action after a rowdy week out in Redding, Pennsylvania. I got to pull my life together. We got a radio show to host. Uh, if you're watching Fallavision tonight, I'll be on with Dagan McDowell and Sean Duffy in the 6 p.m. hour on the bottom line. And then at 9 o'clock, I'll be on with Sean Hannity in front of a live studio audience. We will undoubtedly be talking about these new poll numbers. Hakeem Jeffries, Speaker of the House. 
fellow who stepped in and replaced uh, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. Maybe so, but Hakeem Jeffries uh, filling those pumps pretty admirably. This is dingbat stuff. He downplays the Biden poll numbers in the first clip I'm going to play you. In the second clip, he says Biden's going to win this thing going away. I don't know. But here it is, uh, the party of Hollywood doing some fine acting. Clip 20. Well, that's one poll, and I've seen uh, other public opinion surveys that have indicated uh, that there's a, a closer approximation between the actual reality of the incredible job that President Biden has done with respect to the economy, record low unemployment, more than 12 million good-paying jobs have been created. He reduced the deficit by $1.7 trillion during President Biden's first two years. That's a record. But, of course, President Biden recognizes that more needs to be done to continue to build out an economy uh, that benefits everyday Americans coming out of COVID and an inflationary environment. You're not telling me the truth. Coming, first of all, coming out of covid in an inflationary environment. That is a fact check false. Okay, you created, he created the inflationary environment. The runaway spending created the inflationary environment. And then what did they do? They tethered a climate change bill to the inflationary environment, called it the Inflation Reduction Act, but it sets inflation higher. What a fraud. Think about that. It's just a climate change bill. Well, inflation's so high and people do want to combat it. So let's go spend another $6 billion on climate change. That is financial lunacy. But back to the lie he told. Again and again and again, they keep citing unemployment numbers in this administration because of, they say, we created 12 million (laughs) jobs. You're alive. Okay, I make this point a lot. It's important. Politicians aren't always honest with you. They try to manipulate data in ways that reflect more favorably on their leadership. So forgive me if you've heard this before. Joe Biden has not created 12 million jobs. When COVID hit our shores, we shut down entire sectors of our economy, meaning travel, cruise ships weren't sailing. Arenas weren't having concerts. Restaurants weren't open. Okay, people couldn't go to ball games. They played a year without fans, if you remember. Okay, when we finally reopened the economy, all of those jobs came back. Okay, were those jobs created? The answer would be no. No, they were just taken off the timeout step. Biden is claiming that he's created those 12 million jobs. That is a lie. Okay, the truth is they've created about 2 million jobs under this president. Sadly, most of them have been human traffickers and drug cartels. It's a very lucrative industry. Uh, But when you talk about actual job creation here in America, you know, Biden can claim 12 million new jobs. Okay, but the fact remains those jobs existed before he became the president and people simply went back to work once the pandemic got under control. But Hakeem Jeffries, you know, towing the party line. Look at all the jobs. Look at all the leadership. 70% of the country thinks we're going in the wrong direction. Okay, meaning when it comes to the leadership you're praising, okay, people want to take the dude's car keys. They don't think he's fit to be driving the vehicle anymore. But Hakeem Jeffries is out there praising Biden's leadership. (laughs) Straight clown stuff. Here he is saying Biden's anti-MAGA extremism campaign is what's going to reelect him comfortably. Listen to this, clip 21. 
I think when it's all said and done and President Biden is on the campaign trail, able to make his case against the extreme MAGA Republicans uh, who are extreme on reproductive freedom, extreme on democracy, extreme on Social Security and Medicare, extreme in their unwillingness to deal with the gun violence epidemic and crisis, extreme on pretty much every issue out there. I believe that the American people will see fit to reelect President Biden and reelect him comfortably. You don't have a clue. But do you understand what he's already doing? And they're already telling you what the sale is going to be. He's not running for Biden. Okay, he is running once again against Trump. That is correct. Akeem Jeffries telling you. Biden's going to be on a campaign trail. He's going to be able to make his case against the extreme MAGA Republicans who are extreme on reproductive. Isn't it they call it reproductive freedom? Isn't it great how well they do with messaging? Reproductive freedom. You're like, oh, I I like reproductive freedom. Oh, it's actually just killing a baby. Okay, I get it. Extreme on democracy. Their definition of extreme on democracy, understand, is what? Voter ID. The voter ID law that guys like Joe Biden and Hakeem Jeffries decried as Jim Crow on steroids. That voter ID law was followed by the highest recorded turnout in the history of Georgia elections. Yet the Democrats labeled it an extreme Jim Crow on steroids law. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia. He was willing to, with a straight face, to say to the public this was worse than Jim Crow. Do you remember when the Democrats were running the Jim Crow South and they were physically beating people so they wouldn't vote, lighting their houses on fire? Okay, Joe Biden, the Hakeem Jeffries party, they were out there saying that asking someone for a driver's license was worse than Jim Crow. That was embarrassing. It should be embarrassing, but it wasn't embarrassing to them because we're living in a death of shame. Republicans are extreme on Social Security and Medicare. In what way? We want to make sure it's paid for. We want politicians to stop looting it and spending it on other things. Democrats are so full of crap. But again, what's the messaging? Oh, it's extreme to want to make sure all the money you put in is still there. What kind of extremist won't let us loot the till for another decade so it goes insolvent? But do you understand they're not voting for things? The Democrats are asking you to vote against things, but they're imaginary things. Okay, they're extreme in their unwillingness to deal with gun violence. No, they're not. They're like, hey, we got a problem in schools. Arm them. Harden the targets. Let's get armed guards there to protect your kids. We've already scared the kids. Kids do active shooter drills twice a year. Scary. Okay, I say we start scaring the gunmen. Okay, we had a bad one down in Texas this weekend. We'll get into that next. But again, what is he wanting you to believe? That Biden should win re-election because he's protecting the country from extremism. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. The Democrats have no deliverables. No one in the Democratic can speak to you and tell you how they've improved their life since Biden got into office. There's no deliverable. Inflation's at a 40-year high. Okay, financially, inflation has gone up higher than wages, which means not one person, if you break it down in the aggregate, is actually doing better than they were when he got into office. Because even if they got a raise, the inflation is higher than the raise. I don't doubt there are people out there doing better, but I'm saying as a whole, wages are growing slower than inflation. 
meaning the economy is not a bright spot. We have 7,200 known gotaways at the border in the last 24 hours, 19,000 in the past week. Okay, this on top of a record-breaking level of illegal migration that's made fentanyl the number one cause of adult death in the country. Again, no American is safer because of that. Murder rates at a 30-year high. We left the Taliban in charge of Afghanistan, except this time around they're doing it with $85 billion of our weapons because of how we fled the country. That can't be good. No, it's terrible. And, you know, we're brinksmanshipping our way into World War III over in Ukraine. It's a bad time to be. But all the Democrats have in place of deliverables is, you know, sloganeering, okay, messaging. What are they telling you when it comes to trans rights? I wanted to highlight some of the DeSantis clips over the weekend because it's very much in line with the 2024 polling that's out today. Okay, they tell you, well, the Republicans want to deny trans kids health care. That's what's going on. That is a fact check false. And they frame it as health care because, again, you hear that and you go, what do you mean? What kind of animal would deny kids health care? You'd have to be a real monster to do that. Okay, so that's why the Democrats frame it as health care. But don't, nobody, 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 nobody is voting to say if a transgender kid gets sick, you don't go to the doctor. If he breaks an arm, you don't set it in a splint, okay? If he needs a checkup, you don't treat him, okay? That's not the argument. The argument is that the Democrats now want you to believe health care includes chopping someone's off. Unfortunately, that's not the case, but that's the sale they're trying to make. The Republicans are denying young children gender-affirming care. You hear, again, how it sounds nice? Reproductive freedom, gender-affirming care. Listen, if a kid is three, four, five years old, it's agenda-affirming care, meaning their parent wanted a trans kid. It's the hottest fashion accessory in liberal circles. If your kid is three, four, or five and they're convinced they're trapped in the wrong body, it's because you convinced them they're trapped in the wrong body. Bingo. Okay, kids don't get out of bed going, I'm trapped in the wrong body. Okay? Kids, they don't know anything about identity politics or the things their parents voiced upon them, okay? But parents have made the kids the collateral damage in this culture war, and what the Democrats are doing, because they want this manufactured civil rights movement, they're trying to take 0.5% of the population and turn this into another civil rights movement. We've got to reconfigure the language. We've got to reconfigure the bathrooms. We've got to reconfigure the sports leagues. We've got to reconfigure everything we do. And if you dare question any of this, you're a bigot and a monster and a transphobe. You should be banned from polite society. We should be elected for all of time to protect you from all of these bigoted, violent transphobes. Are any bigoted, violent transphobes running around out there that we know of? Not To be honest with you, not not in any way, shape, or form resembling of what the Democrats would have you believe, but this is how they get their way legislatively. They give something a catchy name that sounds like any reasonable person should support it, and if you dare question that devil inside the details as to what it actually constitutes, they wind up calling you a bigot. That's how it works. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. So here was DeSantis. I wanted him to get credit for this over the weekend because he told you the truth. Okay, there's not a lot of leaders standing up for this stuff right now, and he deserves credit for this. He said the Democrats keep saying it's health care to perform gender reassignment surgery on a young, able body that wouldn't otherwise require this elective procedure. It is elective. You understand? 
So from now on, if you're an eight-year-old girl and you want to get a boob job. Hubba, hubba. Stop it. Okay, but if you're an eight-year-old girl, you want to get a boob job. That would be elect. That's an elective surgery. Why? Why would we not let her have one? Okay, it's it's gender affirming care, boob job affirming care. Okay, again, these are minors that are not old enough to legally consent to permanently altering their body, and they now need follow-up surgeries and an endless amount of drugs. Which is why you'll get so many doctors and pharmaceutical companies saying, yeah, we should be doing this. Money, 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 money. Nobody cares about the kids. They're about to get loaded off of this. Loaded. If you can create a few million kids who need surgeries every three years, medication every month for the rest of their life, there is so much money to be made off transgenderism. And politically, there's a lot of money to be made, too, because you can fundraise off it. Well, we'll protect you from the bigots. They're coming to get your trans kid. And that's what happens. But here is DeSantis sp- pushing back against the characterization of this as healthcare. clip 22. When you talk to people, and I know like people in your industry will dress it up with a euphemism and they'll say it's, it's health care to cut off the private parts of a 14 or 15 year old. That is not health care. That is mutilation. And so when we're standing up against that. And so when we're standing up against that, we're protecting these kids. Good for him. Okay, because the Democrats want you to believe, oh, no, it's, it's health care. They're denying them health care when they won't let them chop off their junk. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. But why are they doing it? Because it allows them, okay, it gives them another lane of intolerance. They claim tolerance as a shield for their own intolerance, meaning, well, you got to be tolerant. You can't question any of this stuff. Ergo, anyone who disagrees should be banned. Can't have them on social media. Don't let them run for office. Is that tolerant? The answer would be no. I said this last Monday on America's Newsroom. I snuck onto the set. Okay, the Democrats are using the word tolerance as a shield for their own intellectual intolerance. They no longer allow anyone to disagree with them on anything. It could be climate change, it could be gender reassignment surgery, it could be border security. It doesn't matter. They now say if you're disagreeing, it's because you're intolerant. People will die. That was Hakeem Jeffries' whole case for why Biden's going to win again in 2024. It's because the Republicans are extreme on reproductive freedom. Such a fancy way to say killing a baby. Extreme on democracy, extreme on Social Security and Medicare, extreme in their unwillingness to deal with the gun violence epidemic and crisis. By the way, I don't know, Democrats controlled both houses of Congress for the first two years of the Biden administration. Did they move whatsoever on gun legislation? The answer would be no. Of course not, because they don't want to solve issues. They want to run on them. Okay, but in this instance, their inability to solve issues has left them nothing to ask you to vote for. So they're just desperately labeling things as extremism in hopes and prayers that you'll vote against them. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Taking the edge off one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I wanted to play one more DeSantis clip because one of the final things they did in Florida in this legislative session before they called it quits was DeSantis banned 
diversity, equity, and inclusion oaths in education, meaning from now on, you don't have to swear a loyalty to some type of green energy nonsense or any type of woke transgenderism. And again, no one has an issue with transgender people. If you're over 18, you can be anything you want. If the United States of America, we are all in, girlfriend. Okay, what DeSantis is doing and obviously being labeled as a transphobe and a hateful bigot for doing is he's focusing on the education of children. Right now in this country, only one in three kids can read at grade level. I love the poorly educated. But you understand, we're now a global economy, and the people making us a global economy are weakening every future generation of students by removing merit from the classroom. We're now focusing on their identity instead of their aptitude. Here is DeSantis trying to reverse that trend in Florida, clip 23. The idea that you would have to take some type of loyalty, political diversity oath, uh, that is imposing ideology as a condition of being hired, elimination of so-called DEI, and how that has been used as an ideological cudgel to impose ideology on the university, uh, and putting the money where the mouth is on this. There's a lot of money in the budget to recruit faculty uh, to our universities. And basically what he's saying is, I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Because does it have anything to do with teaching kids to read? The answer would be no. How about math? The answer would be no. Weird. Science? Well, science. I don't even think they can teach science anymore. Are you kidding? Biology? If you went in there and told the biological truth to a classroom, the left would be like, He should be behind bars! Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are fired up in this hour. We're going to be joined by Bill Hammer, co-host of America's Newsroom, a guy who tells it like it is. We got a pretty crowded dance card to talk about. Uh, 888-788-9910 if you'd like to add your thoughts. Uh, But either way you slice it, a bit of a domestic mess for Hammer and myself to clean up. We had a horrible shooting down in Texas over the weekend. More protests here in New York City over the death of a zombie attacker on the subway. Uh, We're going to get into that. We're going to talk more about the 2024 election where Biden is going at it with the lowest approval rating of a first-term president in the past 80 years. Biden sucks. A lot of people feel that way. 888-788-9910, the phone number, whether you agree or disagree. We don't care. It is an all-skate. Everybody's welcome on this show. That's not the point. I'm trying to lower the temperature. I feel like it's the only way I could really help in this country. You know, they're not going to put me in charge of the democracy. I'm a 45-year-old man who plays video games. But one of the reasons we're having such a hard time making collective societal progress is because most, most of the battle now is over mischaracterizations of one side's positions or another side's positions or just mischaracterizations of reality as a whole. I'll start in New York really quickly, and this is my problem. Every one of these tragedies, you know, whether we're talking about shooting in Texas, we're talking about this maniac who got killed on the subway last week, okay, every one of these tragedies immediately becomes an exercise, on the left anyway, and how they can politicize it to their advantage. You know, in the aftermath of a shooting, what do they do? They go right in, right in, after the gun manufacturers, after the Republicans, the NRA. Did any of those people shoot somebody in Texas this weekend? The answer would be no. No, a lunatic did. 
You get to the New York City subway. You've got a violent zombie who has a 10-year violent arrest record, 42 arrests, including uh, punching a 67-year-old woman in the face. Okay, that guy winds up getting killed after attacking people on the subway. Okay, the issue here is there are violent zombie attackers on the subway. Okay, are we talking about them or the need to get that out of control right now? The answer would be no. No, we're talking about everything except the real cause. Okay, that's really the frustration. Here in New York, people jumped on the train tracks over the weekend. They blocked the subway. Subway cars couldn't get through. So, you know, somebody's trying to get to a hospital, go get medical care or anything of that nature. Okay, maybe just trying to make it to work, make a decent living and be on time, not get yourself fired. Okay, all of those things go by the wayside because the Democrats jumped onto the subway tracks, the liberals here in New York, and held up the mass transit system to make a point that you should not be springing into action to protect women and children on subways when some lunatic starts attacking them on the train. Do you understand? That's what the protest is about. Okay, Jordan Neely is one of 10,000 mentally ill people riding the subways as you listen to this in New York City. They've cut funding for mental health in this country. They have, of course, relaxed all policing strategies to placate the woke DAs. Everything woke turns to They've created a vibe of unrest and lawlessness on our subways. So a former Marine who sprung into action last week a white Marine with the help of a black subway passenger. They leave that part out. AOC actually edited, edited him out of the video that she posted. That's what she did. Garbage like you just makes me sick. And, and garbage because she's trying to inflame racial tensions. The governor of New York flat out said, well, the guy was killed just for being a passenger on the train. That's what she said with a straight face. Here it is, clip 34. I do want to acknowledge how horrific it was to view a video of Jordan Neely being killed uh, for being a passenger on our subway trains. I don't care about labeling it. Just looking at that video, you know it's wrong. No one has the right to take the life of another person. You are so full of sh. He was not killed just for being a passenger. This is totally false. Okay, he was attacking fellow passengers. And you know what they don't show you in any of the videos? This is so crazy. The man who choked out Jordan Neely on the train was a white ex-Marine helped with a black, by a black passenger. The minute they choked him out and got the situation under control, one, they called for help. Two, they put him on the side and held his legs up in the recovery position to restore his breathing. Does the media tell you that? The answer would be no. No, they don't. Wow, weird. They didn't show that part of the video because you can watch it. But they all edited it out. They edited out every piece of context that would make you understand why the guy was choked in the first place. Why? Because they'd rather run on pretend racism. I get it. It's good branding for them. They love it. They want to score political points. But adults are talking now. People who ride the subway every day are living in horror. Because there are violent mental attackers on the train. But according to Emma Vigeland, okay, she is, of course, taking the position on the left that feeling safe on the subway is a privilege and you guys should all get over yourselves. You were never supposed to feel safe on the subway. Who are these, you know, check your privilege elitists 
who just want to get on the subway and not get stabbed by a crazy person. Listen to this clip. It's clip 36. Every one of us who's taken public transit has had this kind of situation. Something similar happens, seeing someone struggling. That doesn't mean that our fear in that instance. And I was a little scared because I, my, I, I was hit. It's a problem. Like it's but, people but, that but, need but help. I would, but like my fear is not the primary, right. uh, primary uh, object of like what we should be focusing on right now. It's the fact that this person is in pain. Um, and so like the politics of dehumanization privileges the, the bourgeois kind of concern of people's like immediate discomfort in this narrow, narrow instance as opposed to larger humanity and life. It's really freaking twisted. Yeah, I just... What would you do with a brain if you had one? Did you even hear that? <laughs> My fear is not the primary object. We shouldn't be focusing on people being scared on the subway. Re- really? Is that how we're supposed to live our lives now? Just now? Come on, man, get over it. Just because some guy's barking in your face or swinging a screwdriver at you doesn't mean we should be concerned about that. We should be concerned that this guy's going through something. Listen, here's the reality. There are broken people in our society. We could argue over what caused it, but the fact is they're broken and they're operating with no regard for human life. We need to prioritize getting those people off the streets more than anything else. I think he's got a point. Okay, you could tell me it's, you know, you feel bad, you have empathy. I get it. It's good. I'm not happy Jordan Neely had a breakdown and was attacking people on the train. Guy's been arrested 42 times. But I'm angry that he's even on the street to begin with. But they're trying to create more empathy for the attacker than the person following the law. That's where this thing goes sideways. You know, and when she says, oh, it's a narrow, narrow instance. Folks, if you ride the subway in New York City really quick, just so you know, you're every, every day, at least, if you commute to and from work, at least once a day you will be on a car with someone and we don't know if he's going to attack us. Like people look down and ignore a ranting, screaming person that will be arguing with a pole, you know, like violently cursing, throwing punches and kicks at no one that will eventually hit someone and you all just put your head down and hope it goes away. People are horrified. And when she says it's narrow, narrow – 27 people have died on the subway this year after being attacked by someone who is mentally ill. 27 people pushed in front of trains. Okay, stabbed, shot, beaten. 27 people have died. Okay, this idea that we're just supposed to chalk that up to the cost of doing business? What the hell is the world coming to? But it makes sense in your head if you want to believe the attackers aren't the bad guys. Let me give you this horrible shooting down in Texas, okay, that happened north of Dallas. You got eight people killed. You got a half dozen injured. You got this lunatic posting videos and voicemails and all kinds of cryptic garbage. He's crazy. He's unhinged. He's a guy that was discharged from the military for having a mental health problem. Okay, and understand he walks into a mall in Allen, Texas, starts shooting. Threat is eventually neutralized by a cop who took him down. But you got eight more people killed. And in the immediate aftermath, Democrats go right in. It's AR-15s, it's Republicans, it's Abbott. Okay, everything, everything but the guy who did the shooting. Okay, that's the frustration here. You can talk to me about guns. You can talk to me about background checks. I'm on board for any discussion you want to have. But if we've got eight people dead and the discussion does not revolve around 
What is prompting people to snap like this in larger numbers? It's not their proximity to guns. It's their proximity to mental illness. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. These guns have been around for 75, 80 years, and we didn't have these shooting numbers. So something has changed in the population. No one wants to speak to that, though. Here's Joe Scarborough on the left. They want you to believe it. It's a sickness in Texas. It starts at the top. It's Abbott's fault. Clip 28. There is a sickness in the state of Texas, and that sickness starts at the very top with Greg Abbott, who refuses to protect little children in the state of Texas, whether it's at school or whether it's at church or whether it's at shopping malls, or even inside their own homes. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. No, I won't. No, Greg Abbott doesn't want to protect children. That's what the guy wants you to believe. Listen, Greg Abbott wants to fortify schools, wants to secure the southern border. But here is... Uh, This is so fascinating because, again, they want you to believe, oh, they don't care about guns. It's the white guys. It's the Greg Abbott's. Do you know who the fastest growing segment of gun ownership is in America? Are you ready for it? It's black Americans. Correct the mundo. Black Americans are buying guns at a higher rate than any other sector of our economy. Why? Because they no longer count on the Democrats in in their cities to protect them. They've seen police budgets cut. They've seen woke bail reforms empty prisons. They've seen everything prioritized but the bad guys. If you live in a, in a, in a community where violent criminals are no longer going to jail for gun robberies and assaults and we're downgrading 52% of violent misdemeanors to felonies, you yourself are no longer bank, banking on the authorities to get the job done. Okay, here's Mary Catherine Hamm on Fox News Sunday saying as much, clip 30. That's one of their obstacles. The other obstacle is that the uh, the fastest growing segments of gun owners and gun buyers, uh, new ones are African-Americans, African-American females, females in general, Asian-Americans. And it's because they look at the world and say, the world is dangerous. I will arm myself instead of the world is dangerous. You make laws to disarm me. Think about that. Does anyone ever bring that up when we're discussing banning guns? The answer would be no. But that's the reason they're not going to get banned. They're not going to get banned because you can call the NRA and you can blame every shooting on white people and the good old boys. Okay, but the guns are being bought by members of other ethnic groups in larger numbers than they are by white persons, white people. And the reason being is because they just don't feel safe. Okay, if you want to see the proliferation of guns slow down, start going after the bad guys instead of the good guys. That's the problem in this country right now. The Marine who saved a train full of subway riders from a mentally ill man named Jordan Neely is not the bad guy. He's the good guy. He didn't want Jordan Neely to die. He made every attempt, if you watch the video, to save his life after he choked him out. Okay, Jordan Neely sadly died. Okay, the cop who had a gun on him and shot a shooter in the mall the other day and anyone else in that mall who wanted to assist with their own firearm, they're not the bad guys for wanting the right to self-defense. The bad guy is the one who had no regard for human life and was willing to walk into a mall and start shooting strangers. Here's the deal, okay? You can ban every gun tomorrow. Not that it's going to happen, but you could. It won't change the number of bad guys on the streets, the people whose, le- whose intentions cannot be legislated away. 
They don't respect the gun laws. They don't respect human life. So the bigger problem in society, it's not Republican, man. It's not Democrat. Okay, I always talk to you as a human being. We're going after all the wrong things. Okay, mental illness plaguing the subways of New York City. We're going after the people defending the passengers. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Okay, this problem we have with mass shootings is a real problem. Something's gone on in our society that's taken the mental illness problem in this country and, you know, accelerated it in ways we can't even fathom. But rather than going after the loonies, the people that are being, you know, that are breaking down before our eyes and losing all regard for human life, we're going after the people who follow the law. And I'm just telling you because I care that is only a recipe to make it worse for every single one of us. He knows what he's talking about. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone. 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be rapping with Bill Hemmer in the next break. His opening act is Ezra down in Atlanta, Georgia. Yo, Ezra. Jimmy, how are you? I'm, I'm looking for your ascension on TV 24-7, so congratulations on where you're going. <laughs> Thanks, man. So I, um, I would say that I see several factors contributing to this, and it is a crisis, unrecognized. But So the moral compass is gone, and we've seen that from religions failing and not prosecuting and pushing, you know, this pedophile thing. Mm-hmm. Parents aren't allowed to parent, so they're failing. So then they're left to the schools. Well, those are all unionized liberals. They're not helping. So people are left to what I'll call pagan worship of rock and roll stars and media stars and all this stuff, which really, you know, and so the government fails. would never send your kids to a foster uh, home and think they're going to do better. So where do you get the mental health help? It's not from them. There's too much drug and alcohol use contributing to fetal problems. And the last thing I would say is that COVID sequestered people and the marginalized people, uh, you know, left yep. on their own are just developing and, and incubating and acting out. So that's what I see as the problem. Yeah. Where am I wrong? No, well, a lot of people definitely went nuts over the lockdowns and stuff of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this there's this drift away from personal responsibility that just drives me crazy because in the aftermath, Absolutely. yeah, in the aftermath of one of these, it's everybody else's fault, and that's not sustainable because you don't actually tackle the problem. You know, you know what another not- notch in it too. You know, is the fact that everyone is so heavily medicated, and you're never going to see a study on that ever, ever, ever because right. there's just too I much agree. money and too easily medicated with other problems. So when Jimmy got in trouble when you were a kid, what did Dad do? Say, oh, don't worry about it, or nope. you know, you, you had trouble sitting down for a couple. <laughs> Did you ever? Well, you man. know, I was on the right. wrong end of a belt or a spoon or a smack. Right. I know. Uh, I'm and not. And then you had chores to do, to you know, which were reparations and sweat equity, and they don't have any of that. No, it's it it's is terrible. It's crazy. Listen, great wisdom as always. We'll do it again, Ezra. Thanks, brother man. Appreciate it. Really quick, Steve is in Longview. They get things done quick in East Texas. Yo, Steve. How you doing, Jimmy? Good. I got 50 seconds to make this count, but I got faith in you. Take over the show. What is this attributable to? 
I think that the advent of all the medication that people get and the additives in our food has contributed to this a lot. And then the state of the world that, that we're descending into is actually causing people to start flipping. There were all kinds of guns when I was a kid. I'm mm -hmm. probably a little older than you are, mm -hmm. but people didn't go into places and shoot it up the way they do now. No. The only difference are those things that I mentioned. Yep. And and it's crazy because they want to use this as cause for you to give up your guns. But when you hear stories like this, it just makes you want to get more of them. That's what's so nuts. Right. But great. Hey, one quick, one quick I'm, thing. I'm going to lose you in a second. If God, I'm sorry, Steve. <laughs> It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon back in New York, safe and sound. After a wild week at the Santander Performing Arts Center in Reading, PA, they got theirs, and we returned to a hero's welcome with a hell of a booking by the producer of this fine show. Now, you know this next guest if you're a Fox viewer as the co-host of America's Newsroom, but if you happen to be a sports fan... You know him as the best-dressed man at the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Oh. I am talking about the swagalicious yeah, yeah. battling Bill Hammer. Hey, man. Nelly. So yeah, I caught you? those pics yeah. at the end of Newsroom this morning. Uh, yeah. No, no, but you show, you looked good. You showed oh, up. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I kind of run the fashion police here at Fox. Okay. You know, I wear a lot of loud stuff. Things go on. Uh-huh. Always, I always say I dress like an overweight figure skater All at right. night. I, I dig it. But no, no. You, you, so, you, you like that? I'm telling you, that's a look, Hammer. I saw the two-day. You had a two-day look. Two, yeah. You, well, a, you, got, you got to have two days. Well, I mean, you're going to be there. You got to throw a complete game. I completely respect it. And uh, you did. You showed, you showed up. Was it, an was it an amazing time? Have you ever been? I've never been for the Derby. I've been to Churchill a bunch. Got it. Dig it. Same. Okay. So I grew up in southwestern Ohio. So the week of the Derby, we go there at Monday and Tuesday mornings, and we watch the favorites gallop for an eighth of a mile. Then they go back in the stall. We interview the trainers, and we take this stuff back to Cincinnati. We air it Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I never went back for the race. Wow. I tell you, Louisville, Kentucky yeah. has something really special going on. And when, when I think about 150,000 people mm -hmm. who took the time to dress to the nines. Oh, yeah. The women with the hats and the men in their bow ties and seersucker suits. Bit of a throwback, I think, mm -hmm. um, in 2023. Yeah. I, I think it, I, it was a magical weekend. It's, now, I must say, uh, my host, mm -hmm. Jeff Ruby, mm -hmm. um, who's been in horse racing for years. He's a big restaurateur in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. um, three months ago, we were talking about politics or something, this, that, or the other, and the Derby came up, and he said, you going to the Derby? And I said, I've never been, and I'm only going if it's special. Whoa, Hammer. And he said, well, maybe you want to go with me. Come and on. I said, going with you would be special. <laughs> so Jeff Ruby sponsors half the jockeys. You're damn right. On the side of the legs, you see his mm -hmm. restaurants there. Yep. Jimmy, I told Dana this morning. Mm -hmm. I said, Dana, I went to the Derby, and I don't know if I'll ever go again. Because you want to go out on a high note. Because never I don't know if it can be. As good as it just was. <laughs> you peaked in life. Between Friday and Saturday and the unbelievable access we had, I, it was just so special. And the people are so – there wasn't a single attitude. 
mm-hmm. from any pl- employee, from the hotel to the track to the area where we hung out mm-hmm. to the locker room with the jockeys, no attitude. Wow. Bill Hemmer is in studio. Triumphant return from Louisville, Kentucky. The last time I was there, I can't compete with this. I was there. I stayed at the Galt House. I saw all the cool statues. I stayed at the Galt House. It's kind of fascinating that the statues, you don't realize it, are actually life-size. Oh. These are not the <laughs> tallest people in the world. I, I felt like minute bowl. I felt like I was eight foot five walking around those jockeys. But they're fabulous people. Yeah. You met Javier Castellano? I sure did. Javier Stop goes, it. you bet on me, you bet on me, you bet on me, Bill. And then he, and that was right before the seventh or eighth race. Uh-huh. And he went out and he won by five lengths. And he come back and he said, I told you to bet on me. I said, we were talking about the twelfth race, which yeah. was the Derby. <laughs> so Javi comes into the winner's circle and he's uh-huh. got the bed of roses on his lap. Mm-hmm. And there's 150 people out there and he's tossing a rose to each person. Mm-hmm. He said, I told you to bet on me. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get a rose? I got a rose. Yeah, you it's, did, Hammer. It's in my apartment in New York City, sitting in a little vase with some water in it. What a win. I love it. Yeah. Everyone should go once. I'm I just... mean, I, I could keep going, but you'd be bored by this. Well, no, I just, we're going to just answer a few basics. To your audience, it's special. Go. Okay, a few basics. We set the over-under for you on mint juleps at 12 and a half. Great question. I don't drink hard liquor. I had zero. Wow, Hammer. A lot of people lost money money on that a <laughs> lot of people lost money on that all right good to know but i just you know what it reminds me of really quickly uh-huh. growing up as a sports fan when you'd watch babe ruth videos he'd hit a home run into right field and everybody'd be in the straw hats and the fedoras and yes everything. there's something about the pomp of an old school sporting event yeah. that i think really does carry a lot yeah. of emotional gravity and mm-hmm. i think it's fantastic to be around um the preakness mm-hmm. is doing it more and more yeah 20 years ago the belmont never did it yep but you see more and more of the imitation happening, which yeah. I think is great for the sport. I think it's good. Because yeah. I mean, the, the Preakness is always doubled as like a hazing ritual. I know a lot of friends <laughs> that go to the Preakness. We've lost a lot of good men out there. <laughs> it's, the, it's the closest you'll come to a Buffalo Bills game where they're breaking the tables That's in the parking funny. lot. That's funny. Things go on at the Preakness. Okay. Another well, question. All right. Uh, well, you, no, you took my under on the mint oh. lips, which is a sign. Yeah. Lastly, this I need to know this personally. Was that a was that a hammer uh, get up or did you talk to my man Manny in the wardrobe department? A great question. I ran a lot of it by Manny. You do smart move. Yeah, he uh, he provided the t-shirts to wear underneath. I was like, you know what? Let's go ahead and do this. Okay. No collars. Um, no, the last thing I got from Manny is I showed him my jacket for the correspondence dinner, and I got a resignation letter back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know what? He's like, is your old taxi garage yeah, hiring? I want to go work there. It, no, it, seems it, less it was Manny approved, and uh, uh-huh. my colleague Lily helped, too. So. You do with well, Lily's Jimmy, got skills. I mean, how many times do you go for two fittings? No, nah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, ever? <laughs> <laughs> like you're going to the Oscars. But there's hay. Oh, it's great, yeah. Hammer. All right, let's talk about another horse race really quick yes, while go. I got you here. Bill Hammer in studio. Good, good segue. Uh, good national polling is out today. Mm-hmm. If you're Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, not necessarily good for Joe Biden. Uh, you know, the going thought a week ago was that Biden really needed Trump to run, if only because it would, you know, weigh in a little bit on the age issue and everything in between. And maybe Trump's high negatives would cancel out some of Biden's. But can anyone help Biden, given yeah. what we saw out of that poll? Uh, my feeling is I don't know where this number. Why was this number not around during the midterms? Yeah, that, that was the first question I had. And the second question I have is, you know, Mark Penn was on with us today and he was a pollster in the Clinton yep. years, consider himself a Democratic pollster now. Um, I think he does both sides. Um, I said, what was the last time a president was this low at this stage in their term? Mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan. It was that low. 1983. 
So we're 2023. We're a year and a half away from an election. Reagan was at 36 percent, which is where Biden is today. Now, uh, inflation was through the roof. Mm-hmm. The economy was in shambles. You know, he was still pushing for those tax cuts around 1983. Things had not yet kicked in. Oh. But 18 months later, he steamed rolled to an electoral college. I mean, it was a victory. blowout. Yes. yes. One of the biggest blowout. blowouts we'll ever watch. And he, too, was faced with an age issue. Yeah. So are you saying we can't really underestimate Biden at this stage? Um, I'm not saying that because mm-hmm. I thought two of the more telling numbers in the poll. Mm-hmm. A, mental acuity. Ninety-six percent of Republicans don't think he's got it. Mm -hmm. But 69 percent of independents agree. Yep. That's the trouble number, all right? That's a bad number. The the other number, age 30 or younger, Mm -hmm. he's at 26 percent. It might be 28, but it's it's not higher than that. It's definitely in the 20s. And I think given all the policies that this administration has tried to direct toward young Americans, student loan forgiveness is a really good example. Mm-hmm. If you're not above 30 percent, I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult if you want a shot at reelection. He's in a tough spot. Bill Hammer is in the House. Uh, he took off the fedora. Uh, just yeah. for us, it's you know they're pork pie. Yeah, it's like exactly a yeah. pork pie. Yeah, both of them were pork pie. No, I saw them. the one was twenty years old. I bought at the J and J hat store at thirty first and Fifth Avenue. Listen, I went out to the Belmont all decked out for my first time. I'm living in New York, two thousand three <laughs> or oh four. It was the year. Right. So we go out there to see a triple crown. I think it was mind that bird, maybe. Yeah, okay. I show up at the Belmont. There's just one hundred and twenty thousand people in t shirts and flip flops. Yeah. I said, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? Why do I feel out of it? Then the track announcer comes out, announces the death of Ronald Reagan. The horse finishes second. The day could not have been worse. Ah, oh, what a mess! Pork pie. So you re- it was a story of pork pie redemption at <laughs> Churchill Downs this weekend. Uh, I'll give you some more Biden numbers. Black yes. voters, according to this poll, his approval rating amongst black voters, 52% now. It was 82% when he took office. Oh now, I know one of the reasons they moved the primaries around to make South Carolina first is the yeah. big Clyburn fish fry, which carries a lot of weight. Right. But if he's down 30 points there, yeah. uh, South Carolina might not save him either. Yeah. That's a, that's a, you got to fry a lot of fish. If you're so, you know, what's, you know what's crazy, Jimmy? Um, during the Democratic primary of 2020, when the world was about to stop, mm-hmm. that primary in South Carolina happened on a leap day. Wow. It was February 29th, a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And he had just finished fifth in New Hampshire and fourth in Iowa, I believe. And he left both before even sticking Correct. around for the counting, yeah. And in South Carolina, he had he won at 49.5% of the vote. Crazy. And then he went on to beat Sanders in Michigan as well, and it was all over. It was armed with that win that they got everybody to get out of the race. That's correct. And that they do a good job of consolidating power in their party. I don't know what those conversations were like behind closed doors, but, <laughs> man, they twisted some arms, didn't they? It's a couple re- people coming out in casks after that. <laughs> You're coming into the conversation with a one-and-three record, and right. people are like, yeah, whatever you say. You got it, Messiah. <laughs> we'll walk with you. Uh, Luca Brazzi made him an offer he couldn't refuse. I don't know what to tell you, Hammer. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, it's crazy. But this, I think the problem they have this time around, and I, I had mentioned this to Dana. She was on last week. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to tell you this. Is When I was in D.C. last week, I went to five parties. You know who was at all five of them working the refs? Gavin Newsom. 
Really? Yes. You know how in the Tour de France there's an alternate who puts on the spandex and rides along with the team in case uh-huh. somebody gets hurt and he joins the team? Yeah. Newsom's got a lot of spandex on right now. Wow. <laughs> I get the feeling. <laughs> is he's, that, he's, is that, he's, is that he's, your theory? Yeah, he's waiting for a turned ankle <laughs> so he can get back in with, <laughs> with the team. Yeah. Do, do you? Forte stepped on a stone. <laughs> Can't <laughs> you, run in the derby. Somebody scratches. Really? <laughs> somebody scratches. Next thing you know, Mage is in victory lane. Right. You just you don't know. And Javi's throwing roses. Javi's throwing roses. It's crazy how this stuff works. What a time to be alive! (laughs) Do you think there's this way at any? We're just this is pure reckless speculation now. Do you think people in the periphery? who still harbor some ambition for the Oval Office, the Newsoms of the world being a good example. Do you think they've made peace with the fact that they're not running, or do you think they're still like bullpen pitchers right now where they're staying loose just in case? I have to think under the current conditions, Mm -hmm. the current situation, they're thinking there's always a chance. Okay. That's my, that's my feeling. They're soft tossing. Yeah, I mean, they're not quite on the mound throwing would, ninety two, but there's some you, soft tossing. Yeah, would you, soft tossing, right? Let's go out to the bullpen. Let's just keep it loose. If we get yeah. our shot, great. If not, we're staying sharp. Yep, that's what I think is going on. If you see that rubber band that they stretch the pitcher's hamstrings out with, you'll know. Once you see, if Newsom is at the party, I didn't see the rubber band. Do, I you, just, do you generally agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I, no, I think he will. He definitely wants to run. And he's been out there. I don't think you go on the road as a surrogate as aggressively as Newsom has. He was doing this before Biden even reannounced. He yeah. did his red state tour. Yeah. So on some level, I do, definitely do you think, think he's attractive to independents coming out of California with the mess they've got there. I think it's insane. But yeah. I was so wrong about the midterms that I just don't I know. Agree. I think a week ago he put 1,500 state National Guard troops in yeah. San Francisco, didn't yeah. he? That's what they're trying. As everyone's hey, leaving. T-Mobile hey, just left. Yeah. So Is you, that right? Yes. Nordstrom left. <laughs> Double-decker T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. Okay, Target's got cosmetics locked up. The, the criminals are free, but the cosmetics are in jail. It's crazy. Okay, people are leaving. Chachi's and, gone. <laughs> Chachi left. You saw that. Gosh. He left. It was, it's unbelievable. <laughs> no, Scott Baio left. <laughs> yeah. I, get, I thought the line was good. We're not going to miss you. And he said, you might not, but you will miss my taxes. Yeah, thank you. And that's not sustainable. So I think they have a real problem. And if that is the blueprint for the rest of the country, then, yeah, there's no way Newsom can win. But where the Democrats succeed, really quickly is they succeed in running a messaging war instead of a substantive debate. And that's kind of what's going on right now, you know. And one of the big challenges here in New York right now is with all the subway violence. Mm -hmm. The Democrats are making this about some type of a lynching or some type of an execution when there's a reality. The the homeless are not taken care of, which is true. Mm -hmm. Um, My feeling on this, it's all sides very unfortunate. Yes. Um, what has escaped the conversation is the state of the great American cities. Yes. Not just in New York, but all over the country. Mm-hmm. And what's happened to them since COVID. Yep. Right? I'm, how many times you, pe- you know, those people on that subway have encountered a, a lot of Jordan Neelys. Every sadly, day. Sadly. Sadly. Unfortunately. Yep. But that's where I get frustrated is because I think sometimes there shouldn't, we don't need a side. Meaning in that Jordan Neely situation, it's, it's a tragedy. It's unfortunate. It's a bad thing. Nobody's happy that he died. But in the quest to come up with a side and deal in absolutes, that one guy was a murderer, so we should be protesting until that guy's in jail, we're now derelict in our duty, you know, to take on the bigger issue, which is mental illness on the subway, you know, in the decline of the city. That's where I get frustrated is when it becomes about some type of short-term messaging war, there's usually a long-term consequence. Mm -hmm. So if the Democrats can make 2024 about Republicans want to kill women and reproductive freedoms and trans children and everything in between, they got a good shot. Mm -hmm. But if we're running on the economy or the border, I I don't see how this is a win for them in any way. Mm -hmm. 
So we'll see. I don't know that they should have the pork pie hats lined up is all I'm trying to say, Hammer. That's all I'm trying to say. Check that. Happy to have you back in town. Thank you. Uh, All all I will add from there, okay, is if there is a derby next year, the only way you're going is if it can top this experience. This is what potential suitors need to know. (laughs) So if you're not riding a horse, you're not going. I'll tell you, Jimmy, we went to the paddock on Friday and Saturday. Uh Uh-huh. Went in the locker room, wished all the guys luck, took a picture with them. That's awesome. I don't know if that's legal. <laughs> Went back to the paddock for one more lap, walked out with the owners uh-huh. to the rail to watch the race. Wow. Now, can I ask and you then this? we crossed the dirt to the winner's circle and waited for the roses to come. This is all amazing, but as a better, I have to ask. Yeah, please. Did you use flash photography around uh, these horses? No. Was my horse jarred no. by your camera? Not at I'm all, kidding. no. Uh, iPhone, no flash. <laughs> all right. And I'm I think kidding. on one race I won $360, but I think overall I was in the red um, for the week. Okay. This is this is the Hunter Biden had to yeah. sleep on a cot story. Yeah. He's trying to he's trying to walk this hey, back. Man, I just went to Ireland and had to sleep on a cot. <laughs> yeah, sure you did. Like they put him up at a Days Inn. Yeah. He flew it on Air Force One. Oh Come on, man. <laughs> Bill Hammer, America's Newsroom. Watch it every day. Right on. Thank you. Rock bro. and roll. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox across America with Jimmy Fallon. I own damn fries. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Shout out to the great Bill Hammer for joining us in studio. He, like myself, still skeptical about whether or not Joe Biden is going the distance. Come on, man. Okay, we'll believe it when we see it. Biden announcing a presidential campaign and following it up with zero events. You gotta do better than that. (laughs) He's like... 2024 is looking a lot like 2020. He's like he's, you know, he's running in name only and hoping the media will run for him uh, as they did in 2020. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Now that remains to be seen, but it is worth noting. When I was in D.C. last weekend, Gavin Newsom was at every party. Every party working the refs because he wants to run. They all want to run. You know, the right thing to do within the party is he's an incumbent. You're not supposed to challenge him. You know, it doesn't look good for your long-term well-being if you're part of that establishment. Like Marianne Williamson's not part of that establishment. She can say what she wants. Robert Kennedy Jr. can say what he wants. But they won't put him on a debate stage. They're not actually going to let Biden have to face live ammo against potential opponents. That's not right. Now, to be clear, a lot of parties, a lot of parties, like there's a lot of parties, but either party would do that traditionally is they do protect a sitting incumbent president because of the power of the presidency. But in this instance, they're probably in the long term hurting themselves because if heaven forbid and Biden is such a liability, you'd rather get him out now than get him out, you know, when it's too late to save yourself. So I say wholesome debates, baby. Let's go. Live from everywhere, USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And here we go. Here we go. Big hour coming up of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Why do I say big? Byron Donald, superstar representative from the 17th Congressional District of Florida, is going to stop by 
to discuss the ramifications of Title 42 expiring later this week. Joe Biden removing the final COVID-era restriction at our southern border. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. A lot of people say that. 35,000 migrants poised to cross the border this week. According to newly released numbers from DHS, we had 7,500 gotaways in the last 24 hours, 19,000 in the past week. This going on at our southern border. Border. Biden is such a disaster. Okay, we're going to get into it, but I, I just understand when I talk about the border, I don't talk about it as a Republican or a Democrat. I talk about it as American. I have a kid. He's 14. He's in high school. Okay, and I'm very mindful of how kids all over the country are getting the bill for what's going on in Texas and in Arizona, where the border is wide open and record levels of fentanyl are making it into the bloodstream of America's children. Okay, fentanyl is the leading cause of adult death in this country right now. The fentanyl comes across the open border. Okay, that is my dog in this fight, if you will. I have great empathy for the migrants. Okay, I don't think they should be breaking our laws. But at the same time, these are people fleeing real oppression. These are people who are fleeing food insecurity and cartel violence. They want to come to America for a better life. I completely understand. Okay, if I was a migrant who wanted to get into this country and I knew they had an administration that wasn't protecting its border, I would absolutely positively probably give it a chance. You know, but the problem is not these people coming for a better life. It's the people exploiting the border to get drugs into the country. Okay, they're the people who've had the easiest time imaginable under a guy like Joe Biden. You have no idea how to defend a nation. None at all. Here is Biden clarifying on MSNBC that, yes, he's sending troops down to the border, but no, they're not there to enforce the law. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Really think about that. No, we're going to send down the troops to help with the paperwork. Send anybody. Why do you got to send the troops if that's the case? They should be sending down 15,000 troops, not 1,500, and they should be securing the border. They should build a wall. It's not because we're racists. It's not because we don't want immigrants coming to this country. The country was built on immigration. The reason, okay, Biden has lost 40 percent of his support with Latinos is because he's turning this country into something that looks a lot like what a lot of migrants fled. Tell him like it is. That's what's going on right now. That's why he's lost the points that he has. But here's Biden explaining the troop situation, clip one. We're in a situation now where those 1,500 people at the border, they're not there to enforce the law. They're there to free up the border agents that need to be on the border. And we're having another 1,000 people coming in. They're asylum judges to make judgments, to move things along. I've asked this Congress for help in terms of what they need at the border. They need more agents. They need more people to clear people. I mean, dude. That is absolutely the most ridiculous excuse I have ever heard in my entire career as a disciplinarian. Now, you can sit here and tell me, oh, I'm asking for more help. Okay, but you know what he's conveniently leaving out of the conversation? Is why he needs the help. Bingo, man, bingo! He needs the help because Biden got into office and repealed policies that had lowered border crossings by 80%. Stop building the wall, 
They ended the Remain in Mexico policy that took the power away from the drug cartels because you couldn't guarantee people safe passage into our country. The way it works right now is if you get caught at our southern border, you get let in. Like you get caught. Hey, you're legal. You shouldn't be doing that. But you're applying for asylum. So welcome to America. And in two years or three years, we'll have a trial. And if, in fact, you show up to that trial and you are found guilty of breaking our asylum laws, we'll do absolutely nothing. Okay, we're not deporting people. Okay, we're not deporting violent criminals with prior arrest records. We're not enforcing our border laws. Okay, the word on the street is out. Okay, there are no consequences if you break the law to get into this country other than safe passage into this country. That's not me talking as a Republican. Okay, here's Henry Cuellar down in Texas. He is, of course, an elected Democrat. And he's flat out telling you that Biden has created this problem. This is a Democrat. Clip six. Lately, at the border, you have over 60 countries that are represented. It's almost like a mini U.N. down there because there are so many people named the Africa, uh, you know, the Middle East, uh, China, Vietnam. They're coming in because, again, there are push factors in those countries, but there's also pull factors. Mm-hmm. And the pull factors is what I said at the beginning. If you don't have consequences at the mm-hmm. border, it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to keep coming. Think about that. Okay, right now, the message is not, hey, people seeking asylum in this country, subjecting themselves to a perilous journey with human traffickers and coyotes, drug smugglers and everything in between. The message is not don't come. The message is if you come, you're getting in. They're getting in. You can't, you know, this idea that just because they've been caught and we've done paperwork, Okay, means there's some type of a deterrence factor. I mean, dude. Come on, don't bullshit me. That's not a deterrence. When people come to this country illegally and they get caught at the border and then let in, they don't call home and say, don't come. They call home and say, dude, we got in. That's true. That is true. There is no consequence. And again, I have empathy for these people. We've created a humanitarian crisis by incentivizing migrants to come here. That's why you hear these stories of people suffocating in tractor trailers. You know, the thing that breaks my heart about those stories beyond the fact that they died is just how avoidable it was. Dude, don't smuggle yourself into a tractor trailer. Just walk across the border. It's open. They don't catch you and say, get out. They catch you. It's the price is right. They're like, come on down. And again, a lot of good hearted people that are coming here for a better life. You might not appreciate that they're breaking their laws. Okay, that they're breaking our laws. But I understand why they're breaking them, okay, is they're not being punished. Here is uh, more Quayar talking about the end of Title 42, clip 7. We're seeing people coming in. The borders are uh, open. There are some policies that, in my opinion, should have been implemented some uh, years ago. Uh, we need to have a very simple thing at the border, repercussions. That is, people that are supposed to stay here uh, should be able to stay under the law. And if they have to be returned, they have to be returned quickly. You've got to have some repercussions, because if you don't have repercussions at the border, people are going to see the border as a speed bump, and they'll be coming in at this time. So we've got to have repercussions at the border. I admire your honesty. The only part I disagree with is, you know, he's talking about, well, if we don't act soon, people are going to start seeing the border as just a speed bump. Yeah, they already see it as a speed bump. Five million people have come in under Biden. In two years of Joe Biden, he's more than doubled the four years of migrants 
that came here under Trump. He's nearly tripled it in two years. Think about that for a second. And understand, under Trump, we were using a remain in Mexico policy, which meant even if they came, they didn't necessarily get in. They were forced to stay in Mexico until their asylum case was granted. And the reason I point this out is not to defend Trump, but it's to defend the country. Okay, the country matters. The front door of our house, whatever happens at the Texas border, winds up in every state in this country. I'm just speaking to you as a dad and a dude. Okay, it's all it is. I don't care about political parties. We just need the country to do well. But understand the way this issue has been framed for political means is demonstrate, demonstrating such an indifference to, non, number one, the humanitarian crisis faced by these migrants, but number two, by the death and suffering that's taken place in this country as a consequence of those open borders. Understand, okay, under Donald Trump, migrant detention facilities that contained children were referred to as, if you remember, kids in cages. Were they referred to those very same facilities built under Barack Obama, used to separate children from their people that accompany them? Were they referred to as kids in cages under Barack Obama? The answer would be no. How about under Joe Biden, where the amount of kids in cages is literally 50 times more in a given day than it ever was under Trump? The answer would be no. And that's where the media is failing us under a country as a country. You understand they went out and brazenly lied about family separation. Trump, in separating children from the adults they were traveling with, was just carrying out a policy that began under George W. Bush and continued under Barack Obama. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But think about it. They did this, one, as a deterrent to say, hey, we're going to separate you. So we can ascertain that you're traveling with someone you should be traveling with. That was the point. They wanted to make sure that these kids were with someone that wasn't just taking advantage of the presence of a child to give them a higher percentage of getting their asylum case granted. That's why they separate children from adults at the border is because oftentimes the children is not with someone they belong with. But we shut down the government when Trump was putting kids in cages. He wasn't doing it at one-tenth the number that Biden is, nowhere near the number that Obama was. But we called it kids in cages under Trump. Under, under Biden, you know, it's like the migrant resort and spa. You know, they don't call it that, even though the numbers are worse. And right now, as we speak, 95,000 of these kids are missing. AOC went down to the southern border, stood outside a fence when Trump was president, and cried. AOC is a dope. But do you remember that? She shared the photo op of herself in the all-white outfit crying in front of the cages like she just couldn't wrap her head around the fact that Trump had a few hundred kids in there being processed. But now the number is in the millions. Is anything coming out of AOC? The answer would be no. They don't care about the kids. They don't care about the border. They care about the political wedge issue. Okay, even a guy like Mayorkas will tell you, well, we got a call for immigration reform. That's what he's talking about right now. It's clip two. Let's take a step back uh, because there's a very important message not to uh, communicate only to Senator Sinema, uh, but to all senators and all members of the House of Representatives. 
We need immigration reform. Everything that the Department of Homeland Security is doing, everything that our partners across the federal government uh, are, are doing is within a broken immigration system. Mm -hmm. uh, the president passed uh, to Congress a proposal to fix our broken immigration system on the first day in office. You are so full of sh Here's a news flash for you, okay? The people coming to our southern border illegally are not coming because we didn't pass immigration reform. They're coming because they're getting in. You can go out and pass 12 immigration reform bills tomorrow if the border's open. You don't feel the dreams if you build it, he will come. If it's open, they will come. So when Mayorkas starts running around immigration reform, that's them trying to run on an issue instead of solving a problem. Passing immigration reform tomorrow has nothing to do with border enforcement. You're talking about processing. You're talking about the people coming here legally. Okay, right now we've had 5 million people come here illegally, and they're not doing anything about it simply because they repealed all of the Trump border policies because they had run on them. They decried securing the border as racist, as if the fentanyl coming across, serving as the number one cause of adult death in this country, isn't killing minorities. Hey, jackass, it's killing more minorities than anything else out there in the world. Okay, when you talk about the cartels sexually assaulting 30% of the women who cross this border, okay? They're minority women, okay? We're looking out for those women in wanting to secure the border and deter these types of perilous journeys. But no one in the Biden administration will address the issue head on because it's a problem they caused simply by repealing Trump's policies for political gain. Listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Your president, Joe Biden, spoke at the White House a few minutes ago. I don't remember that ever happening. It did happen. Biden and Pete Buttigieg were announcing, we're going to cover this at greater length tomorrow, but they're announcing a new bill. That would hold commercial airlines responsible. If they cancel your flight and you need a hotel, you need a taxi, okay, there's some type of a change fee incurred. They're now going to pass that responsibility over to the airlines. And you hear that and you're like, all right, woo, thank you. But do you think the airlines are just going to eat the billions of dollars 
in responsibilities Biden just heaped upon them? The answer would be no. No, they're going to pass the cost over to you in tickets, in increased ticket costs. Just hold on to your pocketbook. They just put a lien on your money, your savings, and your retirement. The responsibility, okay, for the airlines to be running more efficiently, taking off on time, getting you to where you're supposed to be on the ticket. Okay, the market, the competition for your airline dollar is what's supposed to ultimately sort that sort of thing out. Now, I grant you that air travel has been wildly underwhelming in the last couple of years post-pandemic, and they've been nickel and diming us to death over everything. But this is just the kind of knee-jerk populism that ultimately screws the person who they purport to care about in passing along this responsibility to the airlines. The truth is, if you want the airlines to run more efficiently, okay, focus on things that would help that mission. Okay, if you remember, Pete Buttigieg became your travel secretary, transportation secretary. The first thing he did was rename the NOTAM system. The NOTAM system is the computer system that updates pilots as to what's going on. It used to be called Notice to Air Men. But Pete Buttigieg, first thing he did as transportation secretary was degender the computer system and call it a Notice to Air Missions. That's what it became, Notice to Air Men, now Notice to Air Missions. That was absolutely dreadful. Why? Because anybody who can't hear the word men (laughs) while they're piloting a plane is not emotionally equipped to be in charge of the lives of the 200 people on board. This is your pilot speaking. We're going to head up to 37,000 feet. What was that, a notice to air men? Oh, hell no, we crash in this thing. I mean, come on, dude. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon getting the band back together with one of our all-time favorite guests. The last time I saw this man, he's looking pretty flashy on the red carpet at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, talking about the legendary Florida Representative Byron Donalds in the house. Hey, man. Jimmy, what's up, man? How you doing? No, we, listen, say what they want about uh, our, our swag game. We've had many discussions over the years, but did we not dominate that red carpet? No, we did. It was excellent. You know, it was, uh, you know, some people were kind of boring. They wore the basic, you know, black tuxedo, white shirt, no, bow tie. It was very generic. Not you, my friend, not me. <laughs> you did it differently. Guns blazing. No, we're, we're we're like a street ball duo. Nobody wants to play us. Um, and I and I think a message was sent. I actually do. I, I feel like a message was sent and people know to stand down next year. Peace through strength, I think, is what we projected, wouldn't you say? A hundred percent. You know, there were there were eyes on you, Jimmy. They would look and be like, "Wait, is that? Oh no, I can't talk to that guy. I can't talk to this Jimmy Fallon guy." <laughs> Me, they just ignored you. They had to put their eyes on you, and they were like, "Uh, the, the level of intimidation. They wanted to stay away." I get it though. Get, <laughs> dude, you're like Woody Harrelson, and white men can't jump. You know, that's that's you. <laughs> that's so funny. 
Well, I always laugh about that. It's a great analogy because there's a great point in White Man Can't Jump where Woody Harrelson, uh, he turns to the car. It's Wesley Snipes and Rosie Perez. Uh, and he's, excuse me, it's, it's Wesley Snipes turns to Woody Harrelson. And he says, white people, you listen to Jimi Hendrix, but you can't hear him. That's what he says. He's like, white people, you listen to Jimmy. You can't hear Jimmy. And I always tell people this about my fashion game. I say, white people, you listen to Jimmy Fallon, but you can't hear him. Uh, but you hear me, and it matters. You're the, so you're the Wesley Snipes in this duo. If I'm, if I'm Woody Harrelson, that makes you Wesley Snipes. So pay your taxes, B.D. <laughs> no, definitely. I do. I'm not going out like that. No, all right. All right. Good. Well, well, Lord knows they'll go up even higher when they repeal to- Title 42 and let everybody in. What is going on? I don't understand this. Oh, you talking about the southern border? Yeah. Oh, this is this is a pure insanity brought by Joe Biden. Uh, for I, listen, most people don't know about this because the media doesn't want to cover it, but they have to cover it now that there essentially are migrants all over the streets of El Paso. Um, you know, unfortunately, you had those migrants that appear to be run over by somebody. Um, you know, in Brownsville, Texas. Yep. Now you got New York City saying they're going to move migrants up to the suburbs mm-hmm. and other parts of New York State. Um, but all this is brought to us by Joe Biden. This is what happens when you just let everybody in your country, you do no vetting, you let the cartels make $13 billion. It's been a recipe for success. Don't you agree? Oh, it's such madness. Byron Donalds is on the line from the 19th Congressional District of Florida. No, man, they, they turned the border into a college bar. You know, when you're a young kid, if you knew there was a bar that wasn't checking ID, Everybody started showing up. It was the one place you could get in. And that's essentially what we're doing now. The border is, Listen, uh, you know, that bar. I'll tell you one. I'm not going to name the place, but mm. it was in Tallahassee, Florida. It may not be open anymore. But anyway, I'm not going to name the place because uh, it was a great place. Uh-huh. But uh, anybody who went to FSU anywhere in the 90s and early 2000s, I mean, nickel beers. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I got to say, man. Nickel beers. Nickel quarter beers. Can't remember. But nickel beers, yes. Everybody was there, my friend. Everybody. <laughs> can... And they weren't serving Bud Light, I don't think. I think they were serving something. <laughs> well, it's for the bit. Well, let's, let's be clear, because I always I like a good dig at Bud Light as much as anybody. But I went to a lot of nickel beer nights up here in in, uh, in New York. They weren't serving any beer of quality for five cents. Can we agree on that? No, it's true, but it's quantity, baby, quantity. <laughs> and but they... it's the same thing. You're yeah. serving nickel beers. Guess what happens? Every college student. In like in like a a, a thirty mile geographic radius yeah. is showing up at your place. Joe, that is the That's headline. Done to the border. Joe Biden has turned the southern border into nickel beer night. Congratulations! Yes. And anyone yes. who is a veteran of nickel beer nights can tell you very few of them end in a good way. No, they don't end well. They're highly chaotic. Uh, unfortunately, law enforcement does show up at too many of those things. Mm-hmm. Everybody ends up with a hangover. Uh, because it's just low quality uh, uh, beverages, <laughs> and then you know what happens? Everybody's back. You yeah. know, everybody's back the next day. Yeah. But and not to make, not to make a joke of it, but look, I know. our southern border is a disaster. But the bigger problem is too. Number one, young girls are being raped mm-hmm. in the journey to our southern border. Yep. So like the political left says, how they they love women. They don't care about these migrant women because they are being raped. That is a fact. Yep. And number two. It's completely overwhelmed Border Patrol. You're bringing all these people into the country all at once. How do you even assimilate them, Jimmy? How do you get them into a place where they can be productive? How do they not just overwhelm the cities that they end up in? And and Joe Biden doesn't care. He has no clue what's going on down there, doesn't care. Even Mayorkas came out today 
today or yesterday, he was just like, I don't have a good answer for why the border's overrun. I got to <laughs> I gotta answer you, jackass. It's because you're letting everybody in with no controls. Thank so you. So the, the cartels are like, cool, we'll make 10 grand a head. Come on in, baby. The water's fine. Go. Oh, it's so true. We're talking to Byron Donald. It's so that, that, but that is exactly what happened. They caused this problem. What I found funny, okay, is obviously a lot of Democrats' self-declared sanctuary cities are now freaking out because they're being asked to take in migrants. Because the yep. truth is they only took on that posture. It was a political position under Trump. To say, ah, oh, you know, nobody should be illegal, we'll take them. But they didn't have to worry about taking them because nobody was getting in at the numbers they're getting in at now. So now yep. that it's come back to bite them, like Eric Adams, my mayor, is like, oh, it's racist. He's doing it because we have a black mayor. I'm like, I, I, I actually think there's, there's a bigger, bigger cause here. So is this one of those, like, adults are talking moments where the people who want to yell about racism kind of just need to be on the timeout step? Yeah, no, they need to be in timeout for about the past six years. Um, look, I, Eric Adams is being, he's in a, he's in a tough spot because is New York city having to deal with more migrants that they can handle. Yeah. When you put that in conjunction with all the mental health issues, because Mm -hmm. you know, the last mayor who was an idiot just allowed just rampant homelessness and all that stuff to occur in New York city. So now their social, their social services are already overwhelmed. Now you're getting migrants who show up. So now they're like, wait, we don't know what to do with all this, but it comes, it goes back to the basics. Every country has the ability and has the right to defend its borders, and every country should have the ability to say, how many people are we going to let in, who are we going to let in, and when are we going to let in? It's just like it's your house, Jimmy. You know, you know, I'm quite sure, listen, the barbecues at the, at the Fela household, I'm quite sure, are epic. They go These down, are yeah. epic, epic events for the entire neighborhood. But you don't let everybody in the door, do you? No, this is, this, no, you're right. We're definitely playing a little bit of defense out front. And that's a great analogy. But I've been trying to say this to people forever. The problem is with the southern border, not only do the people come into my barbecue, but the southern border makes it into every backyard in America when you're talking about drugs and everything else that comes across the border. That's the problem is that it's spilled into every every barbecue everywhere. So, hey, Jimmy, real yeah. quick. You ever uh-huh. been to one of those parties where they run out of solo cups? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's that's what's going on. I hate to say it, but it's true, America. Joe Biden's running the party. He don't even have enough cups to go around. You know, you know what he's really turned it into? There's an old adage. It's like when you're a young guy, if you walk into like a backyard party, someone's smoking weed, you're like, all right, I get it. It's a party. But if you smoke, walk in and someone's smoking crack, you're like, we got to get out of this yard immediately. And that's kind of what the country feels like right now. It's not the party where there's weed. There's the party where there's crack. I, I don't feel like the authorities are, are running things properly is all I'm trying to say. Um, one more thing. You don't need to dignify yeah. that. Uh, this debt ceiling standoff, we're now we're now weeks away. Uh, does Biden not get that Republicans mean it in that they really do want to cut spending or they want some type of responsible approach to spending? Is this a byproduct of the traditional go along, get along, controlled opposition Republican Party that he expects them to not want to negotiate on cutting spending? I think it's part that and the other part is, is that he's also expecting the media to blame Republicans mm-hmm. and do his dirty work for him. Mm-hmm. So he can st- sit back and think and make it seem like he's the noble one. Yeah. But the problem is, is that inflation, which has happened because of him under his watch, has crippled everybody's budget, rich, mm-hmm. poor, mm-hmm. you know, small business, large business. Everybody's took it in the neck. So everybody in the real world understands you got to cut spending. So he's in a tough spot because his whole position is 
we're going to spend whatever we want and whatever inc- other incoherent thing he says, and nobody takes him seriously. Then you see this Washington, this uh, ABC News yep. poll that came out mm-hmm. where like 38% of the people think he actually is doing a good job with the economy. And those 38% of the people, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, maybe they were getting their student loans or, yeah. or, or, or you know, the, you know, taken care of or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's why they think that. He's done a terrible job. And so I think what you're going to see is he's going to be forced to take a deal because uh, I will give this credit to my colleagues in the Senate, mm-hmm. the Republican senators. Mm-hmm. They are holding the line and they should. And I know that 43 of them signed off on Mike yep. Lee's letter mm-hmm. saying that um, the president needs to work with House Republicans. And I think that's a good thing. I just want to know where the other six uh, Republican senators are. They should join that letter as well. Because this man's run the country into a in, in, off the cliff, and we got to get it back on track. It is nickel beer night, and it never ends good. Uh, Byron Donalds, for real, a good enough call. I I, I'm, I would lend you the pink jacket. Hey, you got to get a bigger one, man. My shoulders are bigger than yours. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, Hold on, I'm rocking like a 48 regular. Are you are you in like a 50 or 52? Ah uh, man, bro, I'm custom now, Jimmy, because oh, you know the shoulders so are big, fancy. but the waist is small. You know, and for every you. lady listening, yes, I'm somewhat <laughs> built like a football player. So I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna blow up your seams, man. I, I got it cut, but I like the pink. Though. I'm gonna have to figure that out. Ladies love cool Byron, the LL Cool J of Congress. You're the best, man. All right, we'll work something out. I'll, I'll talk to Wardrobe, but good stuff as always, my man. I appreciate you. All right, see you, Jimmy. You're the best. There he goes, Byron Donalds, custom, the custom king. Now, listen, if you see me on TV in a suit like daytime, America's Newsroom or Fox and Friends, I am actually wearing a custom jacket made for me by the wardrobe department because they want me to look like an adult. Uh, When I go on TV at night, I'm wearing the clothes that I pick out myself that often leave the audience wondering. Have you ever had a check? (laughs) I'm dressing for my own cry for help collection uh, that I pick out myself. But B.D., He's definitely got – we were on the red carpet together. I was wearing my pink jacket, which was actually a pretty big hit. He had like a black on black with a gold thing happening. It was pretty swanky, man, and we did. We looked good. So the thing about the Republican Party, whether it's you know guys like me who cover it or people who are in it, is they're having the better time now. That's the point is like, you know, getting past policy. I believe conservative policies are exponentially better for the country than anything on the left. But just the vibe as a whole is we're having the better time. We're actually, you know, having some laughs and we're dressing better. We're doing silly things. The Democratic side of the aisle right now has just become the grievance ink. Like, what can we be offended by? What can we get mad at? You know, it's like you're having Taco Tuesday. You don't want to get yelled at for cultural appropriation. You just want somebody to shut up and pass the guacamole. But that's not where we are anymore. Now everything is an opportunity to get offended. It's so bananas. So shout out to BD, even if he doesn't fit into my jacket. I actually think it was just a nice way of – actually, I know he liked the jacket. I'm getting a little off message here, but I actually know know he liked the jacket. Because the thing is, okay, when you go to one of these events – Everybody wears the same thing, and you don't really, you know, have much of a presence. You don't really have much of a vibe. But when you show up, you know, your job is not in a 10,000-person event to read the room. Your job is to lead the room. That's what we're doing over here. That's why the show is growing at the rate that it is. That's why we've surged the way we have on TV. It's not because I know what I'm doing. It's because these punks just don't scare us. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The 
critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Got a message aimed at President Trump from none other than Chris Christie. There's a slob. There's a real slob. I don't know. Christie talking about getting into the 2024 race. I found this so funny. Uh, uh, To be clear, I applaud his honesty when it comes to his assessment of Joe Biden because Chris Christie is over on ABC and they are not hiring you for honest conversation about the Democratic Party. Okay, more often than not, you know, a person representing the Republican Party, unlike CNN or ABC or MSNBC, okay, they're Republican usually in name, but they're there to take every Democratic position floated from the anchors. I agree with that. That's usually what it is. Like a, you know, a Republican who works on CNN is like a chicken that works on the board at Popeye's. They're not really looking out for their fellow chickens. You see what I'm saying? Okay, but in this instance, Christie was honest about Biden. Let's start there. Clip 17. I think it tells you something we already knew, which is President Biden's got problems. And his problems are twofold. It's based on the conditions people feel in the country right now, where they feel economically threatened. And it's based on his age. And I've been talking about this for a while. I mean, I think the American people look at him and they just think he's too damn old. And that's what the polls shows. I don't know. Are you really going to tell me this guy's too old? You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. uh, But here's where Christie actually saved his best shots. He went after Donald Trump. Uh, Now, if you remember, when Christie dropped out in 2016, he was one of the first major name politicians as the sitting governor of New Jersey to endorse Trump. He ultimately headed up his transition team, but was so convinced Trump wasn't going to win that he didn't actually have a transition team, he didn't have a cabinet lined up, which is crazy. But that's why he wound up getting fired. And, of course, he had a falling out with Jared Kushner. Uh, But here we go. This is Christie saying Trump's untouchable till someone attacks him. Clip 18. On the Republican side, until there is a campaign engaged, Trump is untouchable. By definition, as you know, a candidate is untouchable until they're touched and you see what the reaction is to being touched. And that will happen in this race. There's no question in my mind that he will be attacked directly. Shades of Kamala, though. A lot of redundancies. Guy's untouchable until he's touchable, but he's been untouched. And until he gets touched, I feel like I'm listening to Kamala. (laughs) But here's a little more. Christy saying it's a problem that no one's taken on Trump. Clip 19. Very few of those, including the ones who are already in, are, are willing to take him on frontally as you have. Yeah, no, and I think that's a problem. I mean, I think that's a problem in our party. I mean, if you can't, uh, you know, I don't believe in this lane business. We're talking about different lanes. There's one lane, and the one lane Donald Trump's at the head of. So if you want to be the nominee, you got to go through Donald Trump. I don't think there's another way to do it. This guy will say anything. Now, the truth is Trump is absolutely the front runner at this moment in time. And the reason it's going to get so contentious is because they all know they can beat Biden. Okay, the ABC Washington Post poll that came out today shows DeSantis beating Biden by five points in a head-to-head matchup. Shows Trump beating him by six. And understand, these polls traditionally will oversample Democrats 
because they're trying to get the end result that they want. Okay, but the problem they have right now is 70% of the country thinks it's headed in the wrong direction. Just 32% of Americans think Biden has the cognitive abilities to be president. We have a president that is clearly not all there. 68% of Americans feel that way. We have a president right now, 68% of Americans don't think the guy is of sound mind. This could be a problem. It's a huge problem. Okay, that's why this 2024 Republican primary is about to get messy, like old school. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. (laughs) That first debate, man. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at 3 o'clock. It's exactly where this is headed, but the reason why is because they all know they're going to beat the Democrat. Show's over. I'll see you on Hannity later. Be a Republican, be a Democrat. Don't be a... Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.